shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Well, welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And today we are joined by one true shit show. Marina. Hello, shit show Marina. Hi. Hi. <laughs> shit show Marina from Latvia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if I said Lithuania? What would you do? Uh, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, of course, avoid in, avoid in here, guys. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, um, there are not too many marinas in Latvia. No, they're, no, but there are plenty. There are definitely plenty. It's not a common name. Um, it's it's a Russian name. Uh, well, not necessarily Russian name, but it's a very popular name in Russia, and my dad's Russian, so. Uh. <laughs> How does your dad say your name? Marina. Marina. Okay. And how, what if you're like, hi, my name is, how do you say it? Marina. Okay. You're not like Marina. Marina. <laughs> um, Wait, is your last name your married name? Not, yeah. Yeah. I have a joke about this where I'm keeping my ex-husband's last name because I have no problem bringing shame to his family name. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, as I'm pursuing my comedy, I have no problem bringing shame to his name. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, at least there's one good thing he, he gave you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. Jokes for days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when a last name that's easier to pronounce. Yeah. Okay, Miss Marina. What do you want? What do you want played when you walk in a room? I am. Um, I was thinking about this and the song I picked was Trevor Hall's uh, I have everything I need. Okay. From the mountain to the sea, I have everything I need. I have everything. Yeah. Carbohydrate. Yeah. Uh, pizza, definitely. Or grilled cheese. Mm. What kind of cheese are you? Well, that leads us into our next thing. What, <laughs> what, what kind of cheese would you like on your grilled cheese? Separate yeah. question than what's your favorite cheese? Oh, I like um, Swiss on grilled cheese sandwich uh-huh. but i also take like any random melty cheese that is mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. yeah have you ever had a grilled cheese sandwich made out of parmesan mm. how are you doing that are you doing like you're getting like one of the um you like a craft like a, like the kind that you don't even refrigerate just like the shitty like, no no parmesan. no no the okay. opposite the okay. opposite it was a really fancy parmesan from italy and you have to slice it you're getting the block like this isn't no like shaved shit or shredded shit yeah it's like hardcore parmesan grilled cheese sandwich nice that Mm -hmm. sounds you'll have to make me one (laughs) you're gonna hate this but i'm gonna admit it i like to dip my catch my grilled cheese in ketchup Ooh. yep i said it guys i said it Ooh. i said it love it um okay so what's your favorite condiment girl um hot sauce but i haven't picked one that i like yet and i'm not like super 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 hot sauce it's like it's like the milder hot sauce but i'm like slowly increasing my hotness levels nice pun intended Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) is this your uh yeah is this part of your healing program recovery um i think so I think so. This this year in general, I've been very trying to focus on pleasures and like enjoying life and doing things that 
make me feel good. And trying new hot sauces makes me feel good. <laughs> Tell me about a really bad first date. And I feel like you have probably plenty. Oh, way too many. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> there's, I'll tell you the one I feel the most shame about. Mm. Um, it was this guy was years ago. I was living in New York city and, um, I went on a few dates with this guy who was like perfectly normal <laughs> and really nice and great in so many different ways. But because of all of those things, I also found him incredibly boring. Mm -hmm. um, but he's such a good guy. So I kept going on the dates. And then I think it was the third date where um, I had decided to introduce him to a friend of mine. So I was like, yeah, great. We're all going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Let's go for dinner. And wait, were you going to try to like pawn him off onto her? No, no, no. We were just like, no. Okay. You know, I was, we were just kind of getting friendly or wanted to start introducing him to some of my friends, kind of get a feel on them from them. Um, but uh, the dinner was not until like seven or eight. And I went for drinks with colleagues after work and I got very drunk. <laughs> I showed up at dinner an hour late. My friend and the guy were just sitting there very confused, like, what the mm. fuck? Yes. Um, safe to say that I didn't see that guy ever again. <laughs> um, and my friend had to work through things afterwards. Um, but that probably also kind of was the time when I started realized that I, my relationship with alcohol needed to change. Um, yeah. I had one it this week. It's just doesn't look like the pictures. You guys don't do that. Please don't do that. It doesn't work. It's not no. going to work. No. You know, there's no. nothing that you can say to woo me that much that I'm going to be okay with you advertising yourself as, um, as George Clooney and you show up as, um, <laughs> God. Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your journey to realizing that you were an adult child. Yeah. Um I part of me always knew that parents are directly responsible for um many of my behaviors. And but I didn't necessarily understand what that meant. But I used to joke whenever my parents complained about something I did, I would just joke back at them like, "This is how you raised me." Um, mm -hmm. They didn't get it, still don't. Um, but my kind of bottom and what really triggered my intense healing was divorce, uh, which was incredibly traumatic. It was very like we have our marriage was a shit show my husband is the shit show of all shit shows um and yeah um he's, he's a complicated person soul. yeah so let's say that um but when divorce process started happening um my family still lives in Latvia. i was actively trying to kind of what i needed is 
a place of safety. I needed someone to basically needed my mom to just hold me and say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. So when I started talking with my mom and explaining to her what's happening and divorce and like the fucked upness and complexity of the situation, um, her response was like, well, how does your ex-husband, well, how does your husband feel? And there was no like, care about me as her daughter as her like offspring it was she was a lot more concerned about my fucked up husband Mm. and I like obviously at first I would flip out at her I was like what the fuck like I just like I'm your daughter who gives a shit about his feelings like he hurt me he abused me why are we doing this um to which she reacted in different ways but like it kept coming back to the same patterns even after like divorce was over and she was like okay fine not not divorce was over but like when divorce actually got filed Uh yeah um she would um still make comments about like how everyone else's feelings were more important everyone else's opinions were more important than what i was experiencing um and then on top of Mm -hmm. that she wouldn't acknowledge how I was feeling and she would continue to ask really like painful probing questions about my husband, about my living situations. And I had nowhere to live and I was like all over the place and I was a complete mess. And all I needed my mother is to say like, I love you. Everything's going to be okay. But she just continued to make it worse. And, and it got to the point where, um, like I was on the phone. My dad had called me because I had shouted at my mom on the phone. She started crying. And then my dad called me. He's like, why are you making mom cry? <laughs> and I told my dad the same thing where I was like, you are not showing me any love right now. You're just interrogating me and kind of pouring more salt on my wounds. Like I can't. And like, that was the time where it sort of stopped talking with Mm -hmm. my parents Mm -hmm. um and it's been a like a healing journey since but through that through that pain um I happen to be not the only one going through various traumas around me and a really dear friend of mine um was going through kind of her own uh healing journey and she stumbled upon your podcast um Obviously, she was very aware of what I was experiencing and how difficult my relationship with my parents had become. She was like, I think you should listen to this. <laughs> uh, and I think I binged through, I think, three or four episodes the first day. And I would just continue at the same pace. And I think it took me like two months. And once I completed all the episodes, I joined Patreon. And I started going to... ACA meetings in person. I'm the lucky one. We have it in person mm. ACA meetings. And um, I mean, the healing I've been through in the last year has been just so incredible. Um, I still have so many mummy issues to work through. <laughs> um, and actually, I wanted to share this with you is um in the last week in the last week's therapy session 
I sort of worked through ex-husband, worked through like a bunch of kind of emotional distresses. And I've gotten to the point where I feel like good about myself. I feel strong. I feel like I got my shit together to the point where I can now um, embrace healing relationships with my mother. Um, mm. And my therapy is now like focused on like what like around that. And but what actually happened in the last therapy session is where I kind of like almost went through all the possible scenarios, solutions and options of like what could happen, how I could get my mother to understand me. Mm. And the only solution that we came down to was that all I can do is just pray for her and really just release it and to let God take care of it and and it's it's like I knew it but I finally got it <laughs> like I finally felt it it's like I reached the point where it's like there is nothing I can do except for surrender and just let God do its thing well I'm glad that you didn't waste more therapy sessions trying to think about how you're going to get your mom to understand you <laughs> yeah I know right <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, I do have a really good therapist. She doesn't do things like that to me. Good. She wouldn't waste. She wouldn't waste my time. She's like, she's the opposite. Where she was like, "Are you sure you want to talk about this? Like, I think you want to talk about something else." Uh, you know. So, and um, yeah, no, I am really lucky. My therapist is a Russian woman who lives in Latvia, um, mm. and she's an existential therapist. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing that also kind of came up that was really interesting in my last week's therapy session was where, um, like I said, I have a really good therapist. She brought archetypes of the father and the mother uh, as I was going down like my rabbit hole of like complaining about mom and dad, um, which she brought up that father figure, fathers uh, represent your relationship with the outer world. And my relationship with the outer world is like very harmonious right now. I have a job, I have a great social life, like I have activities, hobbies, like things are happening. Um, but my relationship with my mother right now is just like it's we, we do not understand each other at all. Like there's no understanding. And what what's happened is that my inner world has changed so much. From hers mm. and like part of the reparenting piece has been accepting that I'm not her mm. and and one of my biggest fears has always been to be like my mother because I find so many flaws in her <laughs> but, hey mom but, yeah <laughs> she doesn't speak English it's fine um and but like realizing that I am not her and just by making the decision to heal making the decision to not stay in abusive relationship to make the decision to take care of myself like already by doing those things I was able to like start breaking the spell um and you know regardless like it obviously my mom hasn't understood that yet and she hasn't accepted mm -hmm, that I ever. might be, yeah, <laughs> that I'm an you know individual and my own human being, and that she doesn't own me. And um, 
yeah, and that you can have a relationship without, you know, talking with each other, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very slow relationship, mm -hmm. but it's possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I forgot what I was saying, but um, <laughs> that happens when I talk about mom. I go down in rabbit holes. Yes. Lots of mommy issues. So talk about your experience growing up. Do you have an, what's your earliest childhood? You know, you're someone who doesn't have a lot of memories, right? Um, I have some, I have a couple. Um, actually there's like one random memory that showed up in my mind earlier, but I am. Um, so the reasons why I'm fucked up make total sense. If you know my family history. Well, that's what I was going to say I yeah. know about the intergenerational shit. So obviously Latvia, um, my mother was born after the second world war. My grandmother was born after the first world war. So she lived through the second world war. I've heard stories of my grandmother being caught in the woods, um, while they're hiding from the military. I forget if there was a Russian or the German army, but they caught her in the woods and, um, she had just given birth to one of her kids. She gave birth to six kids, but only three of them. I, when I was born, I only met three of them because the other three had died already. Um, so she was caught in the woods and from the stress, her breasts started milking and all the like army boys, like they're all 18 because it's, you know, war, <laughs> um, they freaked out because they'd never seen anything like that. So they, you know, let her go. Wow. Um, but they were like preparing to obviously rape her. At least the story, that's the story I've been told. I don't really know what really happened. Um, so that's just a small glimpse into kind of environment that my mother was born into and mm -hmm. grew up in. Uh, my father was born and grew up in Russia. He was also born right after the Second World War. And um, he was in military himself. And my parents met that it was Soviet Union. So then it was socialism. And like, things were very different then as well. <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you've seen what's happening in Russia right now. Um, very similar brainwashing back then. And uh, yeah, so Soviet Union collapsed when I was four and my brother, I have a brother who's 10 years older than me. So when he was in his early twenties, when that happened and you know, early twenties, wild, wild years started going out, went to a club, someone gave him ecstasy. Mind you in Soviet Union, there were no drugs, like drugs did not exist. No one spoke about them. There was no education. Like nobody knew what, ecstasy was like this didn't exist and then you know soviet union collapses all of the western influence like all the drugs rushing to this tiny poor little uh eastern european country my brother gets hooked on heroin um so yes my brother had a heroin addiction for a good five years i was in my early teens so like kind of very forming age 12 13 and you remember finding out about it? Yes. Catching him injecting heroin in the bathroom at home, I think. that I don't know if that was the first time or in 
his bedroom like it definitely that type of visuals um did you have any i i mean did you think did you know that he had a drug problem did your parents talk um, to you about it at all no nobody yeah. spoke yeah. nobody explained me anything i had to figure everything out myself i just heard a lot of shouting i heard parents talking that my brother has schizophrenia he went to mental hospital a few times they tried to force detox him by chaining him to a radiator in the kitchen mm. um like at your house yeah were you like, living there at the time yeah yeah uh handcuffing not chaining sorry handcuff him but he was so 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 skinny at the time that he was able to just pull his arm yeah, out and he, like he ran away and i have this intense it's, it's not my first childhood memory but i have this intense memory from age of 12 where parents weren't home it was like summer day i was home from there was no school so i was home grandmother was making um grandmother lived with us in a, there were five of us living in a two-bedroom apartment grandmother was making lunch or dinner i was in a room playing and brother was supposed to be in the living room or something like that and then i went out of the bedroom that i shared with my grandmother and i walked out and i saw my brother coming out of my parents bedroom uh with the computer um but before laptops when the computers were desktop mm -hmm. computers so he was trying to steal the parents computer and then we had this like i like started to not necessarily attack him but i was like what are you doing i was trying to like take it away from him and then grandmother came and she was trying to push him away but he was uh he was he needed his next fix so he wasn't really very mm -hmm. kind but what mm -hmm. he he sort of like gently pushed me away and said marina i don't want to hurt you please mm -hmm. you know and i sort of backed up and i was like okay fuck it like whatever do whatever you want and that story in my head for years where like to me it was an act of love mm. i always looked at that as like oh my brother loved me so much that even in his addiction he was able to find strength in in him to not hurt me and then years later like last year <laughs> as i started doing more healing i realized that that was not an act of love like if you're stealing shit that is not an act of love like even like this that whole situation that is not that is not love that is abuse manipulation and and all of these type of like kind of mixed messages where you know there's just like so much pain and obviously my parent my brother had the same parents as me but <laughs> so he's he got a bit more fucked up he got there first like yeah all all of all of those pieces coming together like the stories i had been telling myself from how I experienced my childhood and my teenage years, like all of them kind of crumbled once mm -hmm. I started doing uh, adult ACA work. And and now looking back at it, it just seems like oh, so stupid. Like, how could I, how could I like think that or do that? Because it's too painful to think otherwise, you yeah. know, when you're that young. Exactly. It's like, I couldn't imagine that my brother would ever tried to hurt me in any way it was like oh no this is this is part of that mm -hmm. what was your relationship like with your mother growing up um i want to say distant so mm -hmm. grand my grandmother moved in with us when we were two when i was two and 
my mother didn't have the greatest relationship with her mother, with my grandmother. She, my mother ran away from home when she was 16. So I didn't really understand like the dynamics. And apparently my grandmother didn't like my dad either. I grew up being told never marry a Russian. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't really understand like their family dynamics, but I did have grandmother who showed me a lot of love and like really took care of me, but she also became almost my, you know, full-time nanny while parents were at work. Um, dad traveled a lot for, for work and mom had this job where she worked at a bread factory <laughs> and she was in charge of, uh, she was the dispatcher. So she was in charge of drivers delivering the bread um, across the country. So like she had this really weird job where sometimes because she worked with so many men, they would always like treat her and like take her out for drinks. And like for her mm -hmm. birthday, she would have like millions of flowers. And like, so she had this like a very, like almost like a flirty mm -hmm. aura around her at all times because she just worked with so many different men. What did your dad think about that? I don't know, but apparently my dad, cheated on my mom at some point and apparently my dad was in psychiatric ward at some point trying to jump out of the window and there are many stories I still want to talk with my parents about one day when I start talking with them again mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but um, the way I described my relationship with mom was she didn't listen to me she didn't value me she didn't relate to my feelings or my needs really ever and as an example let's say um I was a smart kid I never needed supervision to do homework so always did my homework and I had good grades like it was fine um and then once every three months my mom would ask me like if I've done my homework and she would always ask it when I haven't and I would be like be like this is not fair I do it every day I get great marks and like one day when I don't do it, you have to give me shit for like, not being my best self kind of like, you know, so always never being good enough. And I also have this like blanket story. Can I tell the blanket story? Okay. So when we were eight, it's my second grade, and we used to go on these school trips where teachers and parents would come and oh, everyone in the class. So we went to this thing was like, Lamians love saunas. So we would do like these sauna weekends. I, I don't know. Yeah, a bunch of eight-year-olds and a bunch of parents in the sauna. Like, I don't know. It's good. Um, <laughs> and so we went on this one trip and the least popular kid in my class didn't bring a blanket. Mm -hmm. So my mom decided to give him my Yours. blanket. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like she didn't consider that I might be cold <laughs> and she just took my blanket and gave it to someone else and left me freezing there all night. And I was so hurt that I didn't say I'm cold. I didn't say, can I have a blanket? I just stayed in there and we were sleeping on the floor too. So I just stayed on the floor freezing all night until about like, I think it was 7 a.m. when my friend's mom woke up and saw me without a blanket freezing and she gave me her blanket. Uh, so I had like, I remember I had one hour sleep that because if I was eight and I still remember every detail of that experience. Um, so that's my mom. 
she's That's your mom. That's my mom. Yeah. yeah. She'll give she'll give she'll give my blanket to someone else. Yeah, she'll give you the sweater off your back to give it to somebody else, not hers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Talk about what laundry list traits showed up the most for you. Approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. Like, oh my God, like without approval, I wasn't able to function at all. Like if someone didn't tell me good job, I would be like, which is why like things like mom telling me I'm not doing a good job would hurt really much because I'm like, I'm doing a good job all the time (laughs) because I need approval all the time. Um, Frightened by angry people and personal and any personal criticism. Oh my God. Like I cannot be in anyone in a situation where anyone's shouting and like my ex-husband would get so aggressive he never got physically abusive but just like raising his voice I would crumble into tiny ball and like just do what the fuck you want I don't care (laughs) um well we became alcoholics married them or both find another compulsive personality such as workaholic to fill fill our sick abandonment needs all of the above my ex-husband's all kinds of addict I I think like his heroin addiction isn't wasn't even the worst mental illness right yeah I mean you live life from viewpoint of victims not as much overdeveloped sense of responsibility 100% way easier to take care of others than myself and as you see as my stories have indicated I learned it from my mom Mm -hmm. um guilt guilt was huge it's it's actually incredible reading these now I see it and it's like yes I did that and even though I might still do those things or feel them but I recognize them and I no longer feel paralyzed by them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they've now become almost like understanding where that is coming from and accepting that it's okay and that it doesn't always have to be my choice I can make different choices Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say is something that you feel like you're still struggling with? And it could be even something small. Intimacy. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, I've recently started surrounding myself with men, not like just French friendship. Yeah. Yeah. It, not even for friendship, it's just like putting myself in situations where I know there will be other male <laughs> individuals. It, because it's it's just so hard to even grasp the idea of being romantically vulnerable like Mm. the level of intimacy that I am craving I am so afraid of it's definitely a step-by-step day-by-day type of situation Yeah. Yeah. yeah what has been something that's been really scary for you to face well everything I was afraid of Sort of. Well, everything I'm afraid of, I'm transition transforming into comedy, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have a. I was, I was so angry at my husband that I started writing jokes about it, and now I go to open mic every week, and people laugh at my jokes. <laughs> how How do you feel getting up on stage now compared to how you felt the first time that you did it? Oh, I don't give a fuck anymore. Really? That's great. <laughs> well, no, I do. I do. I'm still, yeah, I still get nervous. I mean, so yeah, I definitely started a year with an intention of, I want to do something that scares the shit out of me. 
and getting on stage and telling jokes seemed like so incredibly scary, but that was seems like forever ago, like six months ago. And now I've been doing it for so long. I've come to like this, it's, I still get nervous, but now I um, just do it anyway. Like <laughs> it's fine. And I am lucky that I've been surrounded by really good other comedians who are supportive and, and even when they're not supportive, like they're, they're there, <laughs> they're there, right. And they're fucked up in their own ways. So we're all somewhat connected with the trauma. And actually, I met a um, comedian in my ACA group. And uh, she's, she is actual comedian. I'm kind of just open micer for now. But I was telling her that I started doing comedy and asking her for some tips. And she was like, oh, I really want to start a like doing a comedy show for ACA, like having mm. ACA comedians. And I was like, darling, every comedian is an ACA. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, exactly. So there's that, that, you know, humor is an amazing way to heal. That's why they say laughter is the best medicine. Well, it might not be the best medicine, but it's definitely the fun. It's up there. It's so important that we learn how to laugh at this shit. So laugh you don't know how to do that and you're listening right now you can just take your little ears elsewhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can fuck off yeah fuck off what um what is a book that has really rocked your socks bell hooks all about love i know very simple but that's how fucked up i was that i needed someone to tell me what love is Mm -hmm. and honestly i feel that until i read that book i had no idea of the difference between what is love and what it isn't. And if anyone's unfamiliar, but Bell Hooks All About Love is teaches you that love is a verb. Mm-hmm. Love is an action. And you can talk about your feelings all you want, but you know, abuse is not love. You can't be hitting someone and saying, I love you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Love is, I cooked for you. Love is you know here's your pizza (laughs) you know love is here's your blankie yeah here's your blankie (laughs) i'm not gonna take your blankie (laughs) yeah that's love and you can say i love you Mm. and if you're holding a knife in your hand it doesn't count okay good to know good to know (laughs) um what are three things that you like about yourself um i really like my personality I really, I really do think I'm a good human being and, and I no longer think I'm amazing. Like I I no longer have the delusions that I'm like perfectly sane and normal and like, you know, I'm definitely not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You like my podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) But I, that's, that kind of was also my breaking point in a divorce when I realized, oh shit, it wasn't just him who fucked up. I fucked up so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. um so you know with all that in mind like I'm really like myself uh, like as in my personality and the way I think and the way I process information and how I'm able to relate to people honestly all the things that theoretically made me fucked up also have made me really beautiful like really good friend yeah and and caring as long as I remember to also take care of myself in the process. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is a hope or dream you have for your future? Buy a house, which is a very 
simple. There's way more layers to it, but kind of I feel that the buying a house process involves a lot of different moving parts. So by the time I get there, a lot of other elements will also fall into place. Well, this has been lovely, my dear. Everything I need. I have everything I need. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Don't let it all go.